Hello, everyone. Merry Christmas and welcome to Radio Radar episode 62. This week on the show, we go whole hog uh, into Super Mario Run, the very first big Nintendo franchise to hit iOS. And we talk about uh, what what makes a great mobile game and why that sort of doesn't always mean the same thing as what makes for a great console game. After that, we go into the games that most inspired us, the games that uh, that brought us to this profession, and that comes from a reader question. And finally, we close out with some last recommendations for the year 2016, because even though there are only two weeks of the year left, there are actually still freaking games coming out. That's what kind of year it's been. Listen on. Simply having wonderful Christmas time. You are the worst human Simply in the entire ha- world. <laughs> you, <laughs> Anthony John Agnelli, are the worst person. I reeled you in. You, like, you, th- you dude, thought that there was a slow jam happening. Putin is over there McCartney going, bro, that's a bit bridge too far. Like, what is mm. wrong with you? Yeah. I just Paul McCartney did it. I Paul McCartney to everybody. So Jesus. did he just sit on a, like a, like a synthesizer? He literally sat on a synthesizer and that came out. <laughs> <laughs> that came out. We- it reverberated around in his butt crack for a little bit. <laughs> so, and then that we- came out. <laughs> okay, we, we do universally agree that that is the, the worst. worst. It- it's terrible. I- I- Okay. I don't think it's just, like, the worst Christmas song. I think it's the worst song ever. <laughs> it sounds like it's dying as you're listening to it. It's yeah. so bad. It's and the lyrics so... are all, like, it's just stream of consciousness. Yeah. Like, simply like when... having a wonderful Christmas time. Like, the, these words don't, they don't go together. <laughs> like, when you write something that makes Bloodhound Gang sound like Philip Glass. <laughs> <laughs> You have done something truly wrong. You in and this me, life. baby. <laughs> we ain't nothing but mammals. Uh, so. This is actually this is this is my favorite Paul McCartney story of all time. Oh God, just because, go. like, I kind of find it just like a sweet, funny thing. But you know, he was 19 when they were playing all their basement shows in Hamburg and first start, starting to blow up. And one of the first songs Paul ever wrote for the band was when I'm 64, you know, which is now, like, look, yeah, Paul McCartney. That's so cute. Yeah, so, like, he would get loaded at these bars and just sit there at the piano after their shows playing when I'm 64 and walking up to girls and just being like, I wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) That one was me. I wrote, I wrote that one. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That sounds that sounds like something someone in a band would do, yeah, right? Really and does. like like and I like if he was any older than nineteen, it would be unforgivable. That's but true. Like, like, That's true. But what's it's... weird is he still does it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we know you wrote well, that, Paul. What what I'm thinking is what if like imagine it's the mid eighties, and like not only not only are your best years behind you as like a popular musician. But you're right in the heart of like the wings darkness Ooh. that's going on for him. Ooh. And and you've got to imagine he's like, what if I could do it again? What if I I he just get lo- like he just drank two bottles of peach schnapps <laughs> and sat at a piano. He's chugging gold schlager like there's no tomorrow. 
Just like Goldschlager and Jaeger shots. It's the, it's like the worst thing that's ever happened. He's like, I call it a gold blood. And oh, like it's just a God. nightmare. That's how you end up with Wonderful Christmas Time. That's how oh. it happens. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Radio Radar episode 62. This is not the show where we torture you with uh, Paul McCartney songs. This is a video game program. My name is Anthony John Agnello. Senior social editor at Games Radar, and I am joined by uh, noble ruffians, including executive editor Susan Arndt. I, I'm pretty ruffian, yeah. 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 Uh, we, we have we have Connor Sheridan back on the show. Uh, could you please say my name in ascending volume like you did yours? I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Connor Sheridan. There you go. I, I don't know. Like that, I kind of went. Is, to, like, is he playing? Second base for the Detroit Tigers. What's happening? Ladies and gentlemen, can we send this to my dad? He'll be so happy. Yeah, we have to play that song that doom 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 that like every basketball lineup. And your Games Radar staff going to work from the brought up from the Pittsfield Mets, starting at second base for the first time. Connor Sheridan. There we go. Is it better? Uh, You're a I'm... punk. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Somebody. somebody Who said that? Uh, and wrong. last but not least, we have Staff Roberts, Dave Boberts. Uh, I'm a mild ruffian. I've I've been known to rabble rouse slightly. I get tough with people. Yeah. Well, you know. Again. Ma- courteously. Yeah. You have to you have to be a gentleman. But do you but, muckrake? You know, that's the question. Muckrake? I'm not I, I haven't been known to muckrake. Okay. There's no raking of muck? No. Well, his I, his rake has been in the shop, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, dear listeners, but it's the end of the year and we're a little loopy. Yeah, <laughs> a little we're punchy. Losing our goddamn minds. <laughs> a little 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 punchy. I've been sick for a week. That's it's been true. awesome. I've been finding new and exciting ways to feel horrible um, throughout this week. This cold, man, is... And the funny thing is my wife has no sympathy for me because she's like, yeah, yeah, I did this last week. Also, you were gone for the weekend while I was sick. So you can uh, just because suck I did it, PSX. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah. And I'm also a huge wimp when I'm sick, so... Yeah, no sympathy. Well, I mean, not to not to play this card, but you're a dude. Of course you're a wimp when you're yeah, sick. Well, yeah. That's just a true... Look, it's just a truism. It, it just mm-hmm. is. Yep, absolutely. Whenever I, whenever I'm sick, I just well, no. My my wife has described me as like an angry dog when I'm sick. That's true. It's like I I just crawl under a couch, and if anybody comes near me, I'm like, <laughs> it's entirely angry. go ahead, play Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, yeah. It's literally like she just has to go find my old Game Boy and a copy of Castlevania Adventure and just slide it under the couch. <laughs> And then come check on me in like two or three days. Make sure you have your bowl of water. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Just like a bowl, a bowl of water and like a sleeve of Ritz crackers. <laughs> yeah, and your uh, banky. <laughs> so the the weird thing is, while we've been literally neck deep in our game of the year write ups and our retrospective articles and the Star Wars, uh. Actual video games have still been coming out. Uh, I, I don't. I kind of miss the old days where, like, January to March or December to March rather was like a complete dead zone 
and we could play catch up on things yeah. and like you know there, there would only be a couple of new JRPGs. No, nope. that was the way this usually went. <laughs> January January is Japan Mageddon. Yeah, it is now uh, like a cavalcade of of new games. There are no fewer than five PlayStation Four exclusives coming out between the middle of January and the middle of February. Run them, run them down, run them down. We've got Gravity Rush Two. Okay. Yes. We've got Yakuza Zero. Yes. yes. We've got Horizon Zero Dawn. Hmm, yes. Well, we we've theoretically got... have. We have the... yeah. We, we assume. Well, now now did you see they bumped up the release date by two days in the UK? Did they? Usually, yeah, you huh, usually okay. don't see right. that happen when they're going to be like, uh, oh. You guys, what if Horizon Zero Dawn is actually Death Stranding? They're on oh the same engine. Oh, oh my, my god. god, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> they're on the no, same I'm the one engine. with the conspiracy theories, man. But wait a minute, it is full of biomechanical creatures. Mm-hmm. Stop it. No, just, and, just... <laughs> and everybody knows that Guillermo del Toro is a robot dinosaur under that beard. Uh, so there are those three, and then there is Neo. Oh yeah, yeah. And okay, oh, yeah. all right. So yeah. the fifth, the fifth one isn't out until uh, April, but it's Persona Five. Right. Oh no, and Kingdom Hearts as well. That's oh, a- Kingdom Hearts. That's in January as well. Holy shit! Yeah, that's yeah. a PS4 exclusive too. Yeah. Wait, which Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts game is this? Kingdom Hearts, H- two point eight HD final chapter prologue. Yeah, is the that name is of the- about <laughs> eight more syllables than I expected. Yeah, but on second thought, that was ridiculous. I swear to God, every time you say that game's name, a year comes off my life. (laughs) At least. At least. (sighs) Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Steve Perry Don't Stop Believing Duodecim (laughs) Final Mix (laughs) When the Lights Go Down in My City Final Fantasy character the anime. (laughs) And people wonder why Kingdom Hearts lost the plot. Yeah. Uh, Susan, I actually said to Dave that I think our review of Kingdom Hearts 2.8 should just be a video of me explaining the plot to people. I'm pretty okay with that. I like because. No, 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 like, no, no. Better, better plan. I need you to act out the plot with, I will, uh, yeah. with your action figures. I'll do it with action figures, okay. and I will get a blue wig so that I can play Aqua, who is the lost Keyblade Master. Stop. Who was. You know, Look, lost to the darkness. Here's the problem: I can't tell if you're joking sleep. or not. And now Mickey needs to save her. Stop it! So that she can come back to the light. Are you no. making and this join up? Or is this actual? With Sora. I don't no, this is all is. real. This, this is, is real. Yeah. No, this is this is actual. This is the actual. Oh my plot. god! There goes it's... another year off my life. Oh my <laughs> god! A promotional campaign That's for right. Pepsi Blue. <laughs> it's, all, it's all a promotional campaign for the limited edition re-release. Kingdom Hearts of is Pepsi just that life-sucking machine from the Princess Bride to Susan. It's just yes, <laughs> yes. And this okay. It combines. Two of my absolute favorite things on the entire planet, which is Disney and JRPGs. And yet. <laughs> and, and yet. yet. <laughs> oh, they're so good. Uh, so, those are all the things coming out later. There is a game that came out uh, yesterday, 24 hours before we are recording this. You've probably had the weekend to pour into it. Super Mario Run came out. Yes, it did. Uh, this is the, the first... Big Nintendo IP to come out for iOS. The Android version is not out yet. Uh, 
And it is um, exactly what you think it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it is su- uh, a Super Mario Brothers Infinite Runner. You, you, Mario Runner. It's a finite runner. It is a finite runner. It is a finite runner. It is a finite runner. There are levels. There are, there are designed levels that are Mario levels. Uh, the sort of coin collecting focus of the new Super Mario Brothers games on DS and 3DS and Wii and Wii U is even more prevalent here. Uh, you are you are expected to sort of gun for collecting the most coins as you move through these stages in addition to just surviving. And part of the way you get coins is not just lining up really well-timed jumps as you wait for Mario to get to certain spots in the stage, but also uh, how you bop on enemies like Koopa Troopers and Goombas. How how do we all feel about this? I, we all played this yesterday, right? We yes. all played a little bit of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Uh, Super I, Mario. I played a fair deal of, uh, of that yeah. game. Yes, I did. Connor, Connor, start us off. How do you feel about Super Mario Run? Uh, all right. Well, the uh, the actual game, playing the game, I would say feels pretty good. Uh, just going through it the first time, you know, uh, it, it feels kind of nice to have Mario do these new little stylish things that add on to the the way that you're used to him playing. Um, it's fun to do a little flip and get a little bit of extra if you you know do a jump as soon as you land. Those are rewarding ways to make it a little bit more interesting to only be able to make Mario jump. Um, with that said, I think there are a lot of parts of the game that are kind of at odds with itself. Uh, mm. For instance, collecting the coins, uh, the colored coins. In, in each stage, there's uh, five colored coins. If you get all those, there's another set of five that are harder to get, and then another. They're like they're like pink, right? Yeah, as, pink, as pink purple, black. Yeah. Right, right. And it is fun and challenging to get those. However, if you miss a coin and you don't have one of the little bubble things to bring you back, then you just can't get them all in that run. And Mario will not run left. He won't do that for you. You can kind of finagle it so he'll bounce back a little bit, but he's always going to keep moving to the right. And it's, it is it is kind of a bummer for me that you, uh, you can basically choose, as soon as you miss a coin, to either keep running and keep your progress, keep the coins you've accrued, keep your, your leveled-up Goombas... Or you can retry and actually do what you were trying to do again, uh, mm. which kind of takes me out of it. makes a little makes me not want to play quite so much. And I'm not so sure about the Toad Rally needing you. Basically, in order to progress and build your kingdom and get all these fun new toys to play with, you have to do these competitive challenges. And that yeah. seems like a really weird choice to me because if you're not great at Super Mario Run, you're just going to keep losing Toads and it totally sucks. Connor, don't you mean the Todd Rally? Yes, the Todd Rally. <laughs> All of your Todds will desert you and you'll be left cold, Toddless, and afraid. And no one's going to be able to go for a, go on a beer run for you. But, so but actually, Todd, that's what Todd does. That is Todd. That is what Todds do. But uh, like I said, the actual playing of the game, uh, I, I do enjoy. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, Susan, you, you were all about it when you first started trying it, mm-hmm. and you're not a fan of the new Super Mario Brothers series, which this is, this is very much new Super Mario Brothers, uh, without the D-pad. That, that, that's sort of what this feels like to me. Why did it grab you at first? Well, here's the, th- here's the thing about it. It, the levels are extremely well-designed. 
and they are very well tuned to only have an input of tapping the screen. There's no emulation or simulation of a D-pad. It's you're not even swiping. It's just tap. The longer you hold the tap, the higher he jumps. That's it. So it's really, really simple, and it's very well tuned to those controls. Uh, it also makes really good use of verticality because remember it's on a phone screen. So mm. you've got a, a long skinny screen and it uses that very much to its advantage. You never feel like uh, you can't see enough of the field at once to do what you want to do. And that's great. The problem I have with it as I played it more, cause I played it, I played it a lot. I did not, I did not purchase the extra levels. I only played the first For- three. Wow. Yeah, for everybody who's listening, can you explain how much content there is that sure. you can just get for free up front? Sure. Okay, so up And how that fits into, like, the total picture. Yes. So, there are... The total picture? The total The total picture. So, there are six worlds. Each world consists of three levels and a boss fight. You can play the first three levels as many times as you want for free, and the first 20 seconds... Of the boss fight. Uh, You can also play Todd Rally as much as you want, and you can keep your coins and uh, mess around with the building of your kingdom. Uh, I I did that myself. I decorated it. I added some toad houses, all that stuff. Okay. Once you want to progress past that, you're ponying up 10 bucks. Now... 24 levels in and of itself, not a lot, but what they're hoping for is that you are going to replay these levels to, uh, like, as uh, Connor was saying, if once you collect the pink coins, you are then presented with new patterns of coins, and now there's five purple coins that are harder to get, and now you want to collect those. Once you do that, it's rearranged again, and now they're black coins, and it gets progressively harder. So the idea is that you you won't just one and done these levels, that you will be replaying them over and over and over and over again to try and get everything. Hmm. Now, here's where it falls apart for me. That works in a classic Mario game situation, or, or even, you know, like a... a, a, a Yoshi's Woolly World type of thing, where you're going back and you're replaying levels so you can find all the hidden goodies, and that's very much a Mario thing. That is not a casual gameplay mechanic. Mobile games are not meant for that kind of obsessive detail. You know, you're not you're not playing Super Meat Boy on your phone. You know, it's just not that. This is something that and and. I'm not saying that nobody who plays mobile games is interested in that kind of completionism, but the right. vast majority of people who have games on their phones don't want that. They want something they yeah. can pick up, not pay attention to it for like a month and a half, and then they're waiting at the dentist's office and they pick it up again. Right. Well, we'll we'll dig further into the idea of what like makes a mobile game because we the four of us sort of got into this yesterday yeah, yeah. as we were playing it and and i think we all sort of have have weird intersecting ideas about what makes for a good mobile game but then they sort of diverge as well uh dave what did you think of super mario run when you finally got in there it it's fine like like i like i'm like the patented <laughs> david roberts it's fun like i mean it, as as a runner i mean 
it seems like a good one of those. Uh, and the idea that there are these coins off the beaten path and there's a lot more verticality and wall jumping and that sort of stuff is, like, it's different. But yeah. I'm at least in the first couple levels, I'm not really seeing anything that it's doing differently than something like Cannibalt did years ago Yeah, for much less money, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and even even the verticality stuff... And the the trick jumps that are a huge part of, a part of playing Super Mario Run, that's all stuff for New Super Mario Brothers Wii U. Like, yeah. Especially once you get into the late stages of that game, where the the levels get really really hard, they're very very similar. They're all yeah. about yeah, but perfectly is, timing jumps. This and... is not for people who have a Wii U. Right. Sure. No. Yeah. And, of course. And, of course. Yeah. And, like, and, and for what what I've been reading online is that there are some really inventive levels, especially as you get further into the game. Like, a lot of people were saying the ghost houses are some of the coolest things that you'll play, just because the way that it plays with the constraints of how that game is built and sort of contorts its design to, uh, to accommodate it. Which is, like, that sounds great, but, God... Ten dollars. I know. <laughs> like, and, and I know, like, it, it's part of the problem that, like, everyone sees mobile games as these disposable, you know, like, ten dollars is a lot of money for, for a mobile game, but people pony up fifteen dollars for, like, PlayStation games or, you know, sixty dollars yeah, for PlayStation yeah. games. And, like, it's just, it's it's an economy of scale, really. It's, it's a different kind of... Uh, of business model, and I think that I, I was reading a good Twitter thread the other day that someone was saying like it's not that people don't want to pay money for these games; it's that yeah. mobile gaming is inherently disposable. The right, way yeah. that the marketplace and the way that iOS and Android are set up, the way that the the phones force yearly OS updates, which then force developers to go back and fix games to work on the new OS. Or delist uh, them. Yeah, or delist them because yeah. they don't have the time or money to like 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 Ghost Trick was unplayable for years because it worked mm -hmm. on like iOS six or seven, mm -hmm. and then when the next one came out, it broke, and Capcom wasn't making enough money off of it, so they're just like, well, I guess we won't update it, and then they finally did because enough people were were upset about it. But yeah, like these games get delisted, and the the, the whole the whole concept of paying premium prices for games that it's no, here's probably the thing. won't even exist a year later or it's, will be completely different a year later. Is, it's not even so much that it's about the emotion of the experience, mm -hmm. right? Like when you buy a $60 console game, you are getting a much more involving, robust emotional experience. It feels bigger right so you're 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 more you feel more comfortable about spending more money on it if you know if, if a mobile game can make you feel like you've had a ten dollar experience people will happily pay the money it's incredibly difficult yeah, yeah. and for that to happen. Uh, like it's it's weird it's weird to see so many people balk at the ten dollar price tag where and I can't remember uh, which of our readers said this on Twitter, and I can't find it right now. It was a like, cactar guy, right? Yes, I yeah. Forget, he, he, he I said, forget his Twitter uh, handle, but 
you know, would people be reacting this way if you were buying the worlds individually for 99 cents a piece? Nope. And here's why. Because at yeah. that point, it's a buffet. If I really like this world, I will happily pay you money for the next one. And if I'm not Mm -hmm. into it, that's okay, because I don't feel like I've overspent. Yeah, it's it's weird. I feel like the the cost issue and the perception of value and the emotional experience of playing Super Mario Run is very much tied in with what you were saying about the game, Susan, that it exists in this weird place between the sort of uh, snack-sized version of a game that we associate with our phones where it's you know you play it after three months while you're at the dentist's office and you don't you're delighted and then you forget about it again yeah and the more expansive big console or 3ds new super mario brothers games and you know the fact that it exists between those things not just in terms of price but in terms of content makes the whole thing feel really weird. It makes yep. it hard hard to know how to feel about it like as a value proposition and as a piece of game design. Yep. To me, I sit down, I I love Mario platformers. They're probably in my top 5 favorite things in the world. Uh this game when I play it, I'm like, "Wow. Why can't I go left? That would make everything here so much easier." But even within the confines of it, I can sit there and say, these are intelligently made levels. It's interesting. I wish it were more aesthetically adventurous. I wish it sounded different because, oh my God, I wish Mario shut up. 20, 20 years of this dumb bastard going, woo, woo, woo. Like, ah, awful. But all of that said, like, it is what it is and it's well-made and na 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 But... You know, Susan, you said yesterday, I am not giving them $10, not because I don't think a mobile game isn't worth $10, but I don't think that there is enough content here to justify $10. Yep. Like, there's not enough in the game. And I don't think that there is enough in the game. It feels, at Six Worlds, and having just played the first three stages, you know, like, over and over again, and being like, yeah, I'm good. That, like, this doesn't feel like it it, it even suits or even fits into the idea of a $10 value. Like, I don't... By Nintendo's math, we're only talking about a third of the experience here. Yeah. Uh, uh, But I I would not entirely agree with that math. I would say it's more like we're talking about a half to three-fifths of the experience. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, the idea with... Toad rallies are a cool idea. Uh, I'm not sure I like the way that they integrated them into the game and the way that uh, a whole the other third of the game is so dependent on you being able to you know uh, demonstrate perform well here. But I do think it is a, a cool idea. It's a new take on Mario that it isn't just you know trying to make it to the goal pole. It's trying to actually make your the individual actions you take in the level, the way you play it, giving it more significance. You know you're not just getting somewhere. You're getting there with style. And I think that is a cool idea, and that's worth remembering on top of, you know, just having the the six worlds of platforming adventure that we're used to. But that's, you also just nailed, for me, one of the key problems with this, because once you get past a certain point, you have to actively be good at the game. To yes. make any more progress, to to enjoy anything else, to b- keep building your kingdom, to win a toad rally. You have to work at really being good. And that is not something that most players are going to find 
fun. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I was just pointing that out as, like, in terms of a value proposition, I don't feel like $10 is so off for this game, but I also feel like it's it does a lot of things that it could have pretty easily circumvented that is going to turn a lot of its audience off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, part of the Mario series as a whole, its great success over the years, is that it it, it is something that can be mastered and is suitable for people to you know who are looking for a game that is all about like i'm gonna get better and better and better at this but that's not the the primary thing that mm-hmm. is appealing about the games what is the primary thing that's appealing about the game is that you can pick it up you make the little guy with the mustache jump and that's nice and since that isn't there's more meat on super mario run once you start getting into the toad rally stuff mm-hmm. than there is just the basic you're gonna run to the right you're going to hit one of the little arrows and you're going to decide which way to go. That's there's not enough of that at at the core of Super Mario Run to make it of a piece with the series as a whole in terms of quality and honestly with really really good mobile games. Um so but let's dive into this mobile game thing. I sent this quote to Susan today. Chris Kohler at Wired uh, interviewed Shigeru Miyamoto about Super Mario Run, and I found this quote really, really interesting. And he said, if we... He's talking about why they don't just put Super Mario Brothers, the regular Super Mario Brothers on the iPhone, and why Super Mario Run exists. He says, if we did put Super Mario Brothers on the iPhone, people would say, wow, this is well done, but are you actually going to expect me to pay money for it? Why isn't this free? We try to create products that have value that people are willing to pay for. What is a mobile game that is worth paying for? What what does a mobile game need to do to justify not not just a ten dollar purchase, but any kind of purchase whatsoever? Susan. Okay, so this is all obviously going to be my opinion, but uh, it needs to make the best use of its platform. It needs to provide an experience that is very well suited to the platform. You can take an excellent game like Dragon Quest VIII and put it on mobile and it's not fun anymore because that is not a game that was designed for that interface, for that uh, screen size, for anything like that. So it's something that is well tailored to the platform and the constraints of that platform. Reigns is a beautiful example of this. It's this wonderful, smart, funny story that just uses swiping left and right. Very, very smart it's something that you can pick up play for as long as you feel like it put it down not look at it again ever if you don't want to and feel like you've had a satisfying play session right the best mobile games are the ones that either uh make it satisfying to keep coming back for whatever reason, like an alpha bear because they're, or, or a, uh, you must build a boat where now there's a daily challenge, stuff like that, uh, or are such a satisfying and complete experience mm-hmm. that you put it away and go, that was awesome. Like a device six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Connor, you and I were talking yesterday about the fact that, you know, when I play a mobile game, <laughs> I want it to be the sort of thing that's very simple pick up and play but ends up having a, a cumulative effect. Like, as I do it in very small increments, it builds up towards something. Uh, 
To me, I, you know, I would always think to myself, like, if I were going to play something like Super Mario Run, and it was perfect in my head, it would be like, alright, well, I've played this one level over and over and over again, and now I've achieved this level of excellence in it, and that would just automatically unlock newer, harder levels, which is sort of the, you know, that's that's the way that Super Mario World is structured, that's the way Mario 64 and Sunshine and Galaxy are structured, but you said that when you come to a mobile game, you hate cumulative stuff. You you want it to just be sort of, you get the very quick experience and that's it. Is that is that right? Uh, well, first going back to Shigeru Miyamoto's point, uh, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I'd pay 2 or $3 for a Super Mario Bros. that plays decent on a phone. Yeah. Uh, I don't see why that would have to be free. Uh, but... Um, I mean, I don't. I think he. I think he meant the original Super Mario Brothers, like yeah, the no, 1985 I'd, I'd pay Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, two dollars for that. Yeah. If they could get it to play nice on a phone, I don't see why it would need to be free. I mean, they can charge. <laughs> they they certainly charge for it on 3ds or whatever, right? <laughs> they, they they charge they charge for it whenever <laughs> they can. Yeah. But um, so yeah, going going back to your question. Um, in terms of what I'm looking for in a mobile game, it really is, I want to be able to start playing, you know, I want to be able to pick it out, uh, maybe from a group of other mobile games I have, and just immediately have a great experience with it, like, uh, without necessarily having to have that long-term investment, without it giving me a pop-up every day that's like, hey, your daily event mission is ready, come in and play it. Like, uh, one of my favorite mobile games from last year, I think it was, was Downwell. And mm. the only mm. persistence there was unlocking the extra visual styles and styles for your little dude, yeah. uh, which, you know, made somewhat of a gameplay in, in difference, but wasn't really the big thing. Like, if we could get a game like uh, a Spelunky or something to be able to actually work on a mobile format, that would be my game, man. Like, I really just yeah. want those discrete experiences that I can pick up and get super into and then put it away. That's my mm. favorite kind of mobile game. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I like I love things like Downwell as well, and the idea of a Spelunky that was sort of like like I you know imagine like a one screen Spelunky, where mm -hmm. it's just like you know randomly generates what you see, and you just got to get through that little map, and you know it's different every single time. That's great. I always have trouble getting past the control interface in those situations. Uh, I have trouble with all action games, and. I, that's like Super Mario Run. It, it controls perfectly, you know. Yeah, that the the yep, it does. Ba the it controls perfectly, but the limitations of the control chafe at me so much because, like, I want to be able to, I want to be able to feel like I have more control over what's happening. Okay, here's uh, here's your issue with this, and it's driving me crazy. You want this to be. A Mario game. You want a not, Wii U Mario game on your phone, and that's not what it's no. trying to do. No, 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 no. See, Downwell is a, a perfect example of something that even it does even more to consider its platform, where it says like, here is the way that you are going to be looking at the screen, and here is the way that we're going to give you as much control over that world as you can have. And you know, like I feel like. Like, Super Mario Run gives you just just enough control to feel like you're making exciting choices. Like, I actually really like the idea of the, the stop arrows, 
where it's mm, like mm-hmm. you now pick which way you want to go. But like Connor was saying, the the fact that a play through a level is just shattered by one mistake, no checkpoints, no mm-hmm. ability. But that's the to... whole. But you have the, the little points. bubbles, but those run out. So right. But uh, like this, this is I, I'm saying that that sort of structure doesn't lend itself to what I want on my mobile phone. Like, something where it's like, you know... Well, then you just don't like runner games, which is totally fine. Which is totally fine. It's true. But there are runner games that I really, really like. Uh, The... the, Now I can't even remember what it's called. The Rayman Infinite Runner Mm -hmm. is great. But the Rayman Infinite Runner is less about collectibles than it is just pure platforming. Mm -hmm. Where it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, go do this thing... And if you if you mess it up, start over. Whereas this is so so dead set on collecting. It is that yes. I that seems like the kind of thing like it's the kind of precision gameplay that doesn't feel suited to a phone to me. Much in the same right, way that's... that a, a long form expansive RPG like Dragon Quest exactly, Eight doesn't feel suited. Exactly, exactly, and that's yeah, and that's exactly what I'm saying because it it. It, that's you're supposed to replay these levels over and over and over again so that if you do miss the second coin you just right all right i'll just play through the rest of it and that's not what the majority of of mobile players which is everybody uh it's <laughs> not what they want yeah yeah it's weird it's it's very weird dave what is what is your what is your criteria for a mobile game what sort of uh lights your candle Man, I don't know, because, like, there was a time when I was really into mobile gaming. Like, I would spend money, a lot of money, on on mobile games that, like, excited me. And there was a time, a few years before the sort of the Clash Royale, Clash of Clans, like, explosion, uh, Candy Crush kind of stuff happened, where even people like EA were making some... Like, there's a Dead Space game on iPad that's really cool, uh... And that that was a thing that I was willing to spend like seven ten dollars on, uh, just because it was like, oh wow, you know, they're using the the device. Like it has the sort of touch third person controls, but the way that they integrate that into the gameplay, they actually thought about it and took care of it. Uh, but right now, it's just like mobile doesn't feel exciting anymore, hmm. and uh, in a way that I'm willing to spend money on. Like like you, you, Susan, you were talking about how de- like you know device six or. Um, like games like Monument Valley, we used to get games like that all the time on mobile. Like th- there was a year that th- it was just like nonstop. Holy crap! Amazing mobile games coming out every other month, and now it seems like because the the marketplace is so just overloaded with titles, uh, the, mm. um, the just how there's... it's more top heavy too. I think yeah. the mobile gaming is more top heavy than it's ever been. Yeah. which makes it a lot less attractive for studios, new studios to get into. Like I did, I did an interview uh, back when I was with good old CVG with uh, Rocket Cat. Uh, they did um, Death Road to Canada. And oh yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. And yeah, like he just every time I, one of the recurring points was like, yeah, we really want to get out of mobile games. Like we get on, <laughs> we got in at the right time, we did okay, but we see what's coming, man. And it yeah. is not working when out you, in our When you favor. say top-heavy, what do you mean, Connor? I mean, uh, so much of the money, so much of the attention is just going into a small set of games, like right. the Clash Royales. Right, right. 
Yeah, and like you know, if if this game wasn't made by Nintendo, who has an endless vault of cash to throw money at the store for like ad buys and stuff, like I don't know, th- this game probably you know it would have fallen on its face if it didn't have Mario, if it didn't have Nintendo behind it. Um, there's a sea of other endless run. Like Anthony brought up Rayman; those Rayman games are incredible, but mm. nobody knows about them. Because there are so many other games that are just... Well, like... they, they did know about them, but, like, like that's a thing. You, you can find these great, great, great mobile games, and they're at the top of the store, and people are talking about them, but, you know, like, a console game has a shelf life in popular discussion yeah. of a couple months at the very best. Mobile games, you get, like, a couple of days. Yeah. Where it's well, like, oh, just... oh... oh this is exactly yeah, why we just started our mobile newsletter to because discovery yes. in the app stores sucks. Yep. It's, it's yeah. terrible. It's yep. awful. It's awful. So we now have a newsletter that you can sign up for where we curate a list of awesome mobile games. Like, yeah. Hey, you probably haven't heard of this and it's great. And here's what it's like. And here's a link to go get it because you should totally play it. Yeah. And like, we need more of that. There, like there needs to be more curation. There needs to be more, effort given to developers who are willing to make interesting stuff for that platform and there needs to be more tools in place to allow developers to easily update their games without having them break every time the update comes like that that sort of stuff discourages developers who rely on creating new software all of the time and don't necessarily have the resources to go back and update them and like until apple figures that out until mobile figures that out it's just gonna be these sorts of you know very disposable experiences and mm. um and like and i don't know I, I don't know like you know maybe that's just what mobile is suited for and then you know we go to things like the you know, the vita but we go to consoles or we go to the switch or we go to whatever for a more you know a, a more I don't want to say worthwhile, but like like a more involved experience that isn't just well, okay, well I get the thing, I press the button on the train, and then I'm done, and it's just out of my brain. First um, of all, Dave, PS Vita is rolling hot into 2017, <laughs> rolling deep into 2017. The PS Vita, we got a new Valkyria Chronicles coming out on that thing in March. The Vita will never die. Vita means life. Uh, it's in the <laughs> Vita name. Means life. I, I, I'm curious how you guys think that the reception of Super Mario Run is going to change what we see out of Nintendo going forward. Because we were supposed to have three big Nintendo IPs out on iPhone this fall. Not just Super Mario Run, but Animal Crossing iOS was supposed to be out this fall, and Fire Emblem Fi- iOS were supposed to be out this fall. And they're just AWOL. They're gone. Have they confirmed that Fire Emblem is coming stateside? They've said that Fire Emblem is going to be a global product. Uh, What does that even mean? It means that there's going to be so much face rubbing in this game. (laughs) (laughs) That that would have been a whole half star, at least, in my my Fates review, if they'd left that in. There's going to be just a piping hot plate of making 15-year-olds trade tartar sauce because that's Fire Emblem's thing in Japan. And uh, I, I think they're probably like, wow, we probably should like stop having this game be about teenagers banging. 
Um, no, that's just I'm making all of that up, everybody. Okay. No, I, I mean like as the reason that is a prominent part of Fire Emblem Abroad. I was so I was like, can I just? I was so pissed that the face when I realized gone? that they were going. No, you know, teens can make out in Fire Emblem or whatever. But when I realized that they were going to make up a reason so that you could recruit your kids again. And I was just so mad. It's the dumbest reason. Oh, well, you know, the lovers, they have children, but uh, the war is too dangerous, so we're going to put them in these pocket dimensions where time goes faster, and then they'll escape the pocket dimensions, and then you can recruit them and then fight alongside them. Do you you have a fart noise, Anthony? No! Ready? Yeah, do I have the fart noise on hand? I don't. (laughs) Well, put in in actual interesting characters, not these little shits. Oh, my God. I was so mad. It made sense. It made sense in the last game. This game is clearly just there because they didn't want to get rid of that bullet point. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I wonder, Connor, I honestly wonder if the, like, Fire Emblem iOS game is just going to be, like, relationship sim. Like, forget the strategy. I hope it is. Because, like, that is what a lot of its players are looking for in that game. And, you know, why make them worry about, like, moving people around a grid when you could just, like, set up your favorite anime couples? I think that's great. I hope they do that. Fire Emblem colon shipping is what it'll be called, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Part of my, like, and I hate to think so mercenary... But part of me wonders if they didn't come out this fall because they were like, let's just see what $10 gets us with Super Mario Run. Like, let's like this is the first real experiment with their business model. Because Mitomo was like, hey, are oh, people going to be like into like having Nintendo hats? And they were for a day. And... <laughs> Nobody... Everyone... God, that, people dropped that game so fast dropped it they dropped it like it was very cold yeah uh, I, I i only played that until i got the legend of zelda picross levels from my nintendo and then when i realized that my nintendo never updates anything because it's garbage uh i stopped playing it to get the coins yeah yeah <laughs> like that was it it was like oh you're not gonna okay i guess you're done with that now uh, uh yeah, yeah. I, I, what do you guys Susan, how do you think Super Mario Run changes Nintendo's mobile plans? It's really difficult to say because without understanding, like, how do you present Animal Crossing in a mobile game? Because I think I know, Mm. but I don't. You know, I think you have a little town where you can, you know, it's very like Neko Atsume kind of thing where you have a town and you collect things to put in your town and, and that sort of thing. But maybe they do something else with Animal Crossing, in which case, uh, you know, charging by the level or whatever would maybe make more sense. I don't know. I, I think that one, one thing I do think for sure is that Nintendo is not going to look at this and go, oh, gosh, maybe we should only be charging two dollars. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's not how they roll. What they may do instead is do a free to play and then you... uh, free to start. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Free to play, and then you pay. Like if it's if it's Animal Crossing, would oh, did you want this particular piece of furniture? Give us a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Right. Give us a buck. Yeah. Like you know, do, oh, would you like new people to move to your town? Give us a dollar. Mm-hmm. 
And and that because I think with Animal Crossing, that model suits that because we'll just sit there and we'll be like, yes, yes, let me give you more cash. It's fine. Like if you ever stopped and thought about how much money you were spending, you'd be like, I need help immediately. But no, just give me I need a new level of my museum. Yes. God, here, five dollars. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. I, I hope I want to see an Animal Crossing that is because you can't just have the little town. It can't just be Animal Crossing because Animal Crossing is such a slow-paced game. Even True. if you're like I'm going to go in, I'm going to shake my trees, I'm going to collect my fruits for the day, I'm going to sell those fruits, I'm going to pick some weeds, maybe check the flowers. Like all of that is like that's an hour of playing that game. Yeah, but so it's, you want- it's the but that is the, the the whole thing about Animal Crossing is that it's designed for you to check it every day. So if they can speed up, like, you know, I would like to water all my flowers. So instead of you actually having to go water each flower, make it just like you're on, you're on your way to work. You check in your town. Oh my God, you guys. What if it's like one of those idle play games? Like Cookie Clicker. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man. Animal Crossing Turnip Trader. This is dangerous. (laughs) Don't. Oh my yeah, God. I, I gotta tell you, I you know I I totally understand why Super Mario Run was the first big game. Oh sure, like, yeah. You 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 go out the gate with Mario, but I, part of me wonders like, would we all be way more pumped if it was Mario Party instead of a Mario platformer, and it was just like here are ridiculous mini games and you can play it asynchronously or you can play it at the same time or you can play it by yourself. Tell I, you you know what they should have done? I shit you not. You make us a brand new WarioWare, charge 10 bucks oh. for that, oh, yeah. have leaderboards with your friends, oh. done. It done. prints money. Oh, oh my God. Uh, were the WarioWare games that great selling, though? I mean, WarioWare is probably one of my top three favorite games of all time, but I'm just kind of wondering if that's really Nintendo's so, first step. Well, you know? okay, the, ori- maybe they... the original WarioWare Inc. was one of the like top five bestsellers on Game Boy Advance. Lifetime. Uh, and even if it even if it weren't i mean that was 13 years ago (laughs) yeah but but that kind of micro mini game like a a game that takes literal seconds to complete is Mm -hmm. perfect for mobile perfect and it's the kind of thing that people are going to want to share yep like since it's so comedic yep like and you know all of the different things that they've done with warioware over the years you know, WarioWare Twisted, mm-hmm. WarioWare, you know, uh, Game and Wario, they use cameras, they use gyroscopes. Mm-hmm. Like, you could make, an iPhone is a WarioWare Greatest Hits machine. Yup. For sure. Uh, yeah, it, it was like the original streamer game, you know, it was yeah. the original Goat Simulator. Yeah, Here's a mini was. game about slurping up a booger before it falls out of your nose. Yup. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's and, and also... That is something that has DLC. Just release twenty more mini games. Give us a buck. Yep. Done here. Buck. Yes. Done. Yeah. Yeah. I pl- I played Peter Panic at uh, David Bobbert's uh, recommendation, <laughs> and uh, it was fun. But every time, I just kept wishing, man, I, I wish this was just WarioWare. Yeah, it's like it is. It is definitely a poor man's WarioWare that gets by on the fact that the show tunes are really good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a good thing to say about a mobile game, right? But yeah, the that that is a game that is just like, man, if this was if this was just WarioWare, mm-hmm. that would be so good. 
When so was good. the last time you guys played WarioWare Smooth Moves for the Wii? Oh my god. I, wait, Years what? Ago. I, feel, I feel so bad. You know what I did? I traded that and the Resident, Resident Evil 4 for Wii in for a copy of Battlefield Bad Company 2. No! Bad Company Connor! 2 is a good game. It's, a re- <laughs> it's the best Battlefield probably ever. Yes. But, but still regret it. Oh, oh wait a minute! Right Didn't smooth moves? Wasn't there lots of of like you're you're carrying a tray kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Lots lots of lots lot of, of Wiimote balancing. A lot of yeah. Wiimote stuff, okay. and all of all of the Wiimote stuff is pre- preceded by instructions, like the, the delivered the, by the, like the, a. The, <laughs> yeah, like the elephant. It's delivered by like a Jack Handy esque narrator. <laughs> who who's like and now we will practice the elephant imagine yourself as a circus performer <laughs> delicately picking up peanuts and feasting on the insides yes as people applaud it is one of the greatest things. it's, it's so all good. like rendered in like japanese brushstroke like watercolor yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the most beautiful thing oh god yes where is that damnation uh yeah, I you know all all of this uh, all of this sort of uh, armchair quarterbacking for Super Mario Run will uh, it, it's all meaningless. We'll see we'll see what people are talking about in terms of this game in like two weeks because you know Pokemon Go had a a rising tide that lasted for like a couple of months. Like it reached that insane fever pitch in July, but people were still obsessed with it in September, and now it's just sort of got its core audience who are out there loving Pikachu and its Santa hat. I will uh, say though that like like even even though it's sort of faded from the collective conversation of like like our own like you know, we're not churning out Pokemon Go articles all the time. Like that you know, that thing is still one of the top sellers in in the iOS store. Seller. So. It's free. Yeah. And there's the major difference. It's free. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you end up spending money if you want to, but you don't have to. Like, if you live in a city, you don't have to spend a freaking dime on Pokemon Go. Yeah. If you're stuck out in the yep. suburbs like me, you're spending money like water. But, that and that, I mean, that's why it had such a huge adoption. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if people are playing Mario. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see if, if people are playing Mario and the numbers to justify an all-face-touching Fire Emblem iOS. <laughs> uh, so we did, uh, moving on, we got a question, a wonderful question, from uh, a, a longtime listener of the show, uh, Punk Rock Bob. And Punk Rock Bob was listening to our last episode, wherein we talked about Star Wars, and it inspired him. And uh, he said, in your latest episode, Susan was talking about the opening to Star Wars and how much of an impact it made on her as the Star Destroyer just went on and on. Moments like that are awesome, and in the spirit of Christmas nostalgia, I was wondering what games created that moment for you. What was the game that made it go from something you do in your spare time to something you make time to play? The first game or moment that clicked and you realized there was something to this for you. For me, it was linked to the past, defeating the evil wizard, and realizing that there was a whole second world in that game with a ton more to explore. That was huge and engrossing to begin with, but that blew my mind. Uh, Dave, what, what what's yours, man? What was so, what was your game 
so I mean, like, the the first game that I that I ever played, and the game that basically ruined me was Super Mario Brothers. Uh, but that like mm-hmm. that happened when I was four, and that was something that it was just like, okay, well, I guess this is just what I do now. And <laughs> but the thing is, is that the the game that made me go from like, oh, games are something that I play um, for enjoyment, to games are something that I feel like can be important. And I'm sure you all know what this is. It's Metal Gear Solid. Um, <laughs> so my friend and I, I was sixteen. Oh my god! Why did I? Why did I just leave us op- open to Metal Gear Solid? Up, you opened it up. Uh, my friend and I, uh, I was sixteen, and he's like, "You gotta play this game, man." Like, I, and like I'd never heard of it before, and so he's like, "Yeah, you got, we gotta play this game." So it was like, it was a. Uh, Summer vacation, you know, back in in high school when you you had the summer vacation, you could just do whatever and nothing mattered. And so we rented the game and we basically uh, we played it in a single night. We we rented it in the evening and we stayed up until like six in the morning and just played it all the way through. And like it was one of those things where it was like it was really cool. It was a really cool game. It's, you know, anime ridiculousness, robots and government conspiracies, all that stuff. But then. <coughs> Excuse me. The the very end when it shows you that screen where it's like, "Hey, this nuke stuff is real, and there are still like a lot of them." <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and like once I saw that, it's like, "Oh, yeah, this game was kind of ridiculous and silly, but there's this this shit is happening like everywhere," hmm. and. Oh my god! Like, like it, it was like suddenly my eyes were opened up to a world that never existed before, and it was like, so, yeah, go ahead. So many more people understand the concept of nuclear deterrence thanks yeah, to Hideo Kojima. Yeah, exactly. And like, like even with all of the ridiculous, you know, like freaking patriots and and clones and nano machines and nonsense, like it's all still based in fact. Up to a point, obviously, but, like, it... There are female soldiers that have to breathe through their skin. Well, you know, it, yes, Mm -hmm. and that's... But, like, (laughs) but, I mean, like, it's the kind of thing where, like, like the politics of those games are are very rooted in reality. Like, in the entirety of Metal Gear Solid V is basically you creating the instability in the Middle East, which leads to modern, you know, American intervention in, you know, in, 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 in the fight against, against quote unquote terrorism. Uh, and like seeing that at 16 and, and being like, Oh, like this is yeah. important. This is, this is a big deal. Like this that, that's, magic. that's the game that made me want to get involved and, and like actually think about games in a way that I'd never thought about them before. Hmm. And like hmm. that, 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 like that's why that series is so important to me. Even as ridiculous as it is, like that, that game basically, subconsciously at the time, but more consciously later, it set me on a path to writing about games and writing about the the, the subtext and the the meanings behind them. Anyway, Susan, what 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 blew your mind? What's the game that just exploded your brain? Uh, okay, mine doesn't involve clones or it doesn't it doesn't involve cardboard boxes boxes. low cut shirts on on snipers okay the very very first game i ever played that made me really 
feel affection for games as opposed to just like, oh, this is a fun way to spend an afternoon was adventure on the Atari 2600 because you could trap the bat in the castle and it was the coolest effing thing (laughs) and it made me feel immensely powerful. But the game that really, and then I, I largely skipped uh, the Nintendo era. I played a handful of games on the NES, but it, that is not a console that meant anything to me. That was a toy Mm. to me. Mm. Uh, But but Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo was mind-blowing. The, everything from how when Yoshi eats a fruit, you see it go down his neck into his little tummy, to the graphics, the level design, the secrets, the way things are named... There was so many different layers to that game. It was so cute and candy-colored and yet had so much brain power behind it. It's an incredibly smart game. How about how about that like that revelation of a what the keys do? Yup. Like what the keys actually do. And then not just what the keys actually do, but what using those keys on the star road does. Yep. And then like, oh my god, yeah. And god. Fi- and different color Yoshis who had different powers and the secret exits and there's just there was just it was a world. Right? Like if you yeah. play Super Mario and even Super Mario Three, which was brilliant. I mean it's amazing. There's they're just so much simpler than yeah. world oh man that that's what really made me see games as being works of art and being the product of genius yeah susan you know before you were like you know when i talk about super mario run i want a full-scale mario brothers like yeah. a console mario brothers yeah and the reality like you're right but i don't I don't want a console game. I want a new Super Mario Brothers that has that kind of imagination. I see what you're saying. Okay, that's I get that. Because, like, you know, like the the change from, and like I, I'm gonna throw like I'm gonna cut the nerds off at the pass and not even bring up Super Mario Brothers Two, Stop, aka don't. Doki Doki Stop Panic. It. Don't, don't. Like, we, okay. know. <laughs> we know. We know. We know. We 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 know. We're gonna throw it there. But, like, the jumps from Super Mario Brothers to Super Mario Brothers 3 to Super Mario World to Yoshi's Island to 64 to Sunshine yeah. to Galaxy to 3D World, it's always so... Everything is so different and so wild. You know, like, going from Super Mario Brothers 3 where there's a level where the, the fucking sun is trying to eat you and it just <laughs> happens twice! Just twice, out of the blue, a sun tries to eat you for no reason. That was such a pissed. great moment, man. You see it up in the sky, and it's angry, and it's like, all right, I guess I guess it's just angry. And then you're doing your thing, and then it starts chasing you. You're like, oh, my God, holy shit. The sun is after me. Oh, my God, it's coming down out of the sky. First and like, survival just... horror experience. Oh, God. Or, like, like, in Mario 64, like, the first time you go into the basement... And you're going into, like, these creepy-looking levels, one of which is in the base of a pool of liquid metal. 
And then you go into the basement of that level, and there's a goddamn Loch Ness monster just, like, circling an island. And you're like, is it gonna eat me? Does he suck? Am I hallucinating? And, or, oh, wait, he's smiling. He's my buddy. Like, there's... Oh, God, Super Mario Run literally just feels like I've gone to the Disney store. But it's Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody! Here is your M&M's dispenser with Mario's head on it. I no, I yeah, Super Mario. I just just thinking about Super Mario World and the variety in those levels. Just ah oh, man, every sound effect. You know the saws. Like, I love the saws. Yeah, the saws. Oh, the little chicka 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 chicka. It's awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Uh. Connor, what what's yours? Otherwise, I'm just gonna keep yelling. So awesome! Repeatedly. <laughs> just thinking about Mario things. Um, I'll I, I'll give a quick nod to uh, Sam and Max hit the road mm. because that um, was the first game that showed me that games could be funny and smarter than me. Mm. Like just in terms of you know pop culture references that I'm not going to get for years, but then when I do, I'll be like, oh my god, that's what Sam was talking about. <laughs> and uh, that was really cool. But the now the main one for me, I would say, is uh, Secret of Mana. Mm. Because that is actually the first game, I believe, uh, I ever completed. And the only reason I was able to complete it is because I was playing it in co-op with my brother. Um, before then, I played a bunch of... Uh, thank you, yes. Uh, before then, I played you know a bunch of games. But really, my, my play experience was I would load up his file and run around. <laughs> Yeah. I would run around in Zelda Link to the Past. I'd run around in Super Metroid and have a decent time, but I wouldn't really engage with the game. But mm-hmm. like having him there to kind of Sherpa me through this story that looked like, you know, it, it looked at least as good as, you know, the Final Fantasy games he was playing, these big, you know, significant stories that he was really getting invested in. I was able to join in on that and, you know, kind of have him like guide me along and feel like we were actually getting through a cool story. And like Secret of Mana's story is actually really like it's a lot darker than you'd expect it it goes strange places um but it's very cool and uh yeah that was kind of what first made me feel like okay games are something more than you can just kind of uh, like dave i think said you something you can blow an afternoon on or whoever said Mm -hmm. that uh it's you know these this is something that you can really get invested in and if you do get invested in it then you'll be rewarded with all of this uh Mm this really memorable experience. And yeah, that's that's one of my fondest memories of, of me and my brother as well, playing through Secret of Mana. Man, Connor, j- just this morning, uh, I, you know, had to run something to a UPS store and I keep in my car... I, so now, now that I don't live inside of New York City and I have a car again, I have a use for all my CDs, which <laughs> it's, just, it's just been a long time since the CDs, like, served a purpose. And just just today, I was bumping Hiroki Kakuda's soundtrack to Secret of Mana and uh, its sequel, Second Densetsu 3. And God, that mm-hmm. music, it's not even so like good. my favorite. Hey, God, that music is just so transportive. And I, I love, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like playing it on a Super Nintendo, though, because when you hit a Rabbite, like the horn cuts out and <laughs> yes. it cuts back in. And that yeah. freaking adds to it, man. Oh God, man! Uh, it's, I I want that series to come back in a very real way. They keep threatening to to bring back the Mana series. Uh, it, but I mean, and honestly, for me, the series means so little. 
It's yeah. like it's it maybe has more experience. connective tissue. It, it maybe has more connective tissue than Final Fantasy in terms of it actually has like the holy sword and the monetary and all that. But like it just for me, it never really does anything compelling with that. It really is just like the way that Secret of Mana worked that just worked so well for me. Although we did play Legend of Mana in co-op as well, and we liked that. Have you ever played three the the uh, the other Super Nintendo game that didn't yeah, make I've it out here? I've started it a couple times, like a fan translation. Uh, I've never gotten too far in it. It just seems like it seems cool, but it also seems a lot more kind of locked down. It is than, it's, it's, than Secret of Mana was. Yeah, it's a lot more uh, like considered as an action game. It's a lot more action gamey, but it's good. Mm-hmm. It's it's really very playable. There's actually a guy who does uh, custom carts of it that have the the fan translation in there, and that's that's one of those games that we can sort of openly encourage people to go seek out because it is so out of print everywhere. <laughs> it has never been virtual consoled. It is. Nope. That is a lost, lost game. Uh, are, are any of you guys George Carlin fans? You guys, you guys, old school George Carlin fans at all? One of my favorite George Carlin bits is that he talks about the Virgin High, where he talks about like people who love marijuana are nine times out of ten just getting high to recapture the feeling of getting high for the very first time. It's not like they actually enjoy the experience. And he talks about how, you know, everybody is constantly chasing the virgin high. And I, I cannot deny that part of the reason that I do this job with you guys is that I am chasing my virgin high with video games. Uh, and mine is Mega Man 2. And I know that, like, oh, it's Mega Man 2 and everybody loves Mega Man 2. But... I, Connor, I had a very similar experience to you, wherein I had a, an older brother, and my lens into video games when I was very young was purely through him. Like, the mm-hmm. first video yeah. game I ever played was Defender for the Atari 2600, because when I was four, Gabe sat me down and he was like, You need to learn how to play video games. Like, it's time. <laughs> it's like, a, like, he got Kant on me. He was like, It's, it's a moral <laughs> imperative that you know how to do this. And our father was a real tech nerd, so, you know, we we had an NES, and, you know, Metroid was around, and Zelda was around, but it was always playing these things through him. Uh, And one day, my dad came home with two games that he had purchased for himself, uh, Mega Man 2, which he ended up hating, and (laughs) Bad Dudes, and man, did he love Bad Dudes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something about ninjas kidnapping Ronald Reagan uh, that he just responded. It's a good dad game. Yeah, it's, it's, a, good dad it's game. a real dad game. It's guys in sweatpants and tank tops punching ninjas to save Ronald Reagan. <laughs> they are uh, dad enough dudes. <laughs> this is... No, I, I shit you not, something my brother still calls me to tease me is dad dudes. That's what he calls me. Uh... Nice dad dudes. So, so Mega Man 2 was pretty much, like, ignored in our house until I picked it up one day. And it was the first time that I got good. Like, I got good. Uh, I getted good. Is there a past tense for getting good? Uh, yeah, it's called and got good. We're all in the process of getting it's, yeah, good. Yeah, I done got good. So, getting good. And it was one of the first games that I ever beat start to finish on my own. 
And beating it was great. I enjoyed beating it. I just thought it was so cool. But then the ending of Mega Man 2, have you guys, am I the only one here who's beaten Mega Man 2? The end, oh man, the ending is bizarre. It is this melancholy tone poem where Mega Man, you know, you defeat Dr. Wily who tries to kill you with an alien by dropping acid on you and it's absurd and cartoony. And that shifts into a sequence where Mega Man is by himself in the dark walking into the screen through a procession of the seasons. It's raining, and then leaves are falling, and there there are cherry blossoms falling. And finally, the last shot of the game is him staring off at this tranquil village, this bucolic scene in the countryside, and then there is this just boom, minor key note that plays, and you don't see anything but his helmet sitting on the hillside. And I was sitting there, all of seven years old, being like, the fuck just happened? Is he dead? <laughs> Did Mega Man just fucking die? And like, he's, does nothing mean anything anymore? And I would, I would just sit in the basement beating it repeatedly. Are we still doing phrasing? Yeah, yeah, just beating it <laughs> mercilessly, just, just, I spanking this game in the basement. In the basement. I'm so sorry. Just, I'm so. That was. Oh, I'm so sorry. Just like stroking the controller. <laughs> no way. We've gone. We've gone past the realm of reasonableness. Uh, yeah, just, just, yeah. Like I, I was obsessed with this ending and. Just the, the the notion that a video game could offer me something that was this complete story where there was all this room for interpretation and subtlety. And, like, I, I was just sort of obsessed with the silence of this game. You know, when you're seven, you're surrounded by stories that are spelling everything out for you. I don't need to wonder what Scrooge McDuck's motivations are he loves money, he swims in the money, uh, but then he likes his nephews more. That's that's not implied. Not it's, a lot of subtext. Just, in not details. a lot of subtext. Yeah. Or, or Darkwing in, Duck, in though. Thi- yeah, Darkwing Duck. It's dark. It's about a man dealing with mental illness and addiction to substances. No, that's not, that's <laughs> not true. Uh, you had me going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so since then, I, you know, I feel like that first experience with Mega Man 2 defines what I respond to respond to in a lot of ways. I think it's why I like Inside so much. Uh, you know, where, whereas Dave and Susan hate Inside. I don't terrible. I don't hate Inside. <laughs> I just, I want that game with like half of the puzzles removed. <laughs> That's sure. what I want. Sure. The mood, uh, the, the weirdness, dude, the interpretation, like that's all rad. I just don't want Seesaw physics puzzles. That would be like asking them to take the puzzle in Half-Life 2 where you have to knock a dish like a washing machine into a basket. Yes. You yes. can't do it. Yes, you can. It has to be that, there. That shit's not novel anymore. Oh. It's 2016. <laughs> Get it out. Man, inside's great. It's <laughs> really not. I, I can feel Susan's hand stretching across the it's United States to really slap me in the face. quite awful. <laughs> the it's ending fine. is terrible. Uh, 
So as we record this, there is less than two. There are exactly two weeks left in in the month of December, and usually this is like the pure dead zone where there are yeah. no games coming out. But it's for the rest super of the not. <laughs> but it's super not. There are awesome <laughs> games coming out. There are still great. Like, you know, we've got our game of the year selections done, but. There are actually games... I don't think any of the games that are coming out would have really been contenders, but there are some awesome games that are still on the horizon. And to close the show, we wanted to give you guys recommendations of what is still coming out. My recommendation to you is fire up the frickin' PlayStation Network next week, December 20th. A, there is a demo for Nier 2, Nier Automata coming out. That's awesome. But there is also Wild Guns Reloaded for PlayStation 4 coming out next week. It is no, one of a, our games of E3. Oh, yeah. Man, <laughs> it's it's just... Oh, God, put it directly in my veins. It is a, a sort of shooting gallery 2D shooter with Super Nintendo-style sprite graphics. It is half a remake, half sequel of a Super Nintendo game by Netsume called Wild Guns. Where you're, you're cowboys shooting robots and monsters in, in the Old West that might also be the future. And instead of two it's... characters, there are four characters, and one of them is a dog. You could be three cowboys and a dog shooting robots the size of a building. Wow, wow, Anthony, thanks for the Westworld spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know Anthony Hopkins was secretly a dog the whole time? <laughs> That's surprise, everybody. <laughs> it's An- Anthony-, Anthony Wolfkins. <laughs> I feel Barkins. terrible about this. That Barkins, yes, Anthony Barkins. Anthony Barkins. Anthony Pupkins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. Uh, Susan, your recommendation for the rest of 2016. Uh, actually, this would have made our Game of the Year list had it come out just a little sooner. Stardew Valley is now available on your consoles if you did not get a chance to play it on PC uh, when it was released earlier this year. If you're not familiar with what that is, it's a Harvest Moon-esque game. It's very kind and gentle and sweet, and it's about growing things and making friends and little sweet stuff like that, and it's just happy. Man, I can't believe that actually made it out before the end of the year. I'm very excited about it. And Yeah, that's awesome. Man, I thought I thought for sure that that got pushed, but yeah, it's out. It's out. Not yep. damn. Yep. Fifteen dollars. I think a Vita version might have gotten pushed, but yeah, it's out on uh, I believe PS4 and Xbox One. Correct. Whoa, whoa, whoa! There's gonna be a Vita version. Maybe. 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 I don't know. <laughs> I, I think he, he he's he's definitely looking into because he was talking about putting on a Wii U, and he's like, yeah, no, you know. No. That's a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think he's looking into putting it on Switch at the very least. Mm. But um, but uh, yeah, Vita might be coming. I don't know. I have to look into that. If but you're yeah. no, it's here's it's good. here's the thing. Like if you're gonna if there's gonna be a family gathering where now I don't think anybody should ever be ashamed of playing games. But let's be honest, there are some games you feel a little weird about playing in front of your more judgmental relatives. Don't hang out at Hammerhead Station in Final Fantasy 15. Okay, don't. Uh, well, I was I was actually thinking of more like Doom. Okay, well, yeah. That's where it. you're like, yes, I am shooting you in the head. And they start to be like, <laughs> what is, do we need to Nobody's talk to somebody? Uh, 
Yeah, last Christmas when my uncle found out that I dated Tally in Mass Effect. So. Yeah, there's that too. Like, just don't. Like, wait, are, are are you saying Chie isn't best girl? Like, what is you know? Just avoid that altogether. Stardew Valley is just really really sweet. And it has a lot now, of like the the Animal Crossing hook too, where as you play through the days, uh, there are tons of little surprises that you can find, and like it's yeah, it's good. Play it now. It's I great. now I want to go. I'm going to be at my in-laws on Christmas Eve and I want to be sitting in their living room when they get back from Christmas Mass playing Bayonetta 2 and just see how that goes over. Like, what? This is, this is, it opens at Christmas. This is a holiday game. It's a video, it's a Christmas game. It's just like Die Hard. It's just like Die Hard of video games. Die Hard of video games, damn it. Uh, Connor, anything, anything on the, on the horizon? We got two weeks uh, left. You want to point, uh, folks, too. Definitely play the Overwatch Christmas event, but don't worry so much about the special brawl because it's kind of lame. Aww. Yep. A little lame? It's, it turns out it's not that fun to just have one snowball and have all the snowballs be one-hit kills, and it's <laughs> 6v6, so you spend a lot of time just watching people run around trying to grab snowballs. Yeah, I, like, I feel like, I feel like that... There's not an Overwatch game mode that would be perfect for one hit kill snowball fight. I'd be yeah, if it was if it was one v one it could be really tense. <laughs> yeah. But six v six, you're if you die first, you're waiting for uh ten other people to die because there'll be one left at the end. And yeah, that's just that's that's uh, Yeah. It was yeah. a swing and a miss. But you know what? The other brawls some of the other seasonal brawls they've done have been good, so it's okay. They can mess up now and then. And Dave Roberts' answer is Death Stranding. It's out on December 22nd. No, it's not. <laughs> Death Stranding. In my mind, it is. Uh, no, I am. I, I want to say that uh, you should all go try out Let It Die. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that came out uh, kind of sort of, hey, PSX happened and this game is out. I was kind of wondering if it was going to miss 2016 altogether. But no, it's out. And uh, it's a free-to-play game from Grasshopper Manufacturer. It's not directed by Suda51, but he's a producer on it. Um, and it is... If you are familiar with Grasshopper and Suda's work, it is a hyper-violent action game that is weird in ways that you are not familiar with. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's, the, the easiest way to explain it is that it is a sort of free-to-play Dark Souls-esque grindhouse game you you create like you create your character and you run through these levels and the the combat's very deliberate like dark souls and you find weapons uh weapons break and then yada yada but the idea is that you are playing a video game that is hosted by a skateboarding grim reaper named uncle death <clears throat> And as you play this game, you're climbing this tower and trying to solve the mystery of it and all this different stuff, and you can, like, you create multiple characters, and you can send characters out into other people's games as haters, and those characters will attack other players, and if the they succeed, they'll bring, like, money and gear back for you, and it's, like, it is, it, it's weird, but there's also, like, a really good core to it and it's like it's free so you can try it out if you like it that's great if not um you know 
you just stop playing. But uh, the the way that the monetary stuff works is that you you can buy um, death medals, which by the way is a great name. Uh, medals, as in like like a gold medal. But the the idea being that if you die, if you want to bring that character back, you have to spend a death medal, and you get death medal. Like you start with a certain amount, but you have to buy more, and. The idea being that if you want to keep your character and their level and stuff, that you have to spend that currency to bring them back. But the way that the game is built is that you're you're supposed to sort of churn through characters, like it's called "Let It Die." So like you're you're supposed to you're you're supposed to churn through a bunch of different characters to try new classes to to upgrade characters and stuff. So it's like it seems kind of interesting that that. Like death finally kind of means something in a game because it's like if you want to bring that character back, you got to spend some money. Um, so there's yeah, a way I'm, to get your character back without spending money, right? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I'm still very early going in it right mm. now, um, but I, it's something that I plan on spending uh, more time over the holiday break, kind of digging into and seeing. Um, like people, people who I know who, like, really like Dark Souls have been taking to this game really well. And, um... Like, it, it, it seems to have its flaw. I mean, it's a Grass Harbor game. Like, they're, like, the punk rock game designer. So there, there are lots of flaws and stuff sort of inherent in the game. But, uh, it, it, it seems like it's offering something that very few games... Like, even very few, like, very few free-to-play games are offering, which is, like, hey... We have levels, and we have bosses, and we have all this stuff that you typically don't see in, in free-to-play games, and, like, that's really cool, and I, I, and I, I don't know. I hope it does well. I want them to keep making weird stuff. Hmm. So, yeah, check that Man, out. Man, does, does it have the guy screaming, let it, go, let it die, in the soundtrack? God. Wait. <laughs> you, mean, you mean the rock and roll star that we saw in Los Angeles? Yes. I'm referring to this gentleman wearing oh, alligator skin pants. Uh, and hey, you know what? Akira Yamaoka was was shredding that guitar. By the way, he was. But, but yeah, nobody the, was the, more. The other guy, though. <laughs> nobody was more confused than Bill Burr. Like that. <laughs> I know, right? This is yeah. What this is, is this is for anybody who's curious what the hell we're talking about. We went. The four of us were at a Let It Die party. At E3, where Akira Yamioka, the the composer of Silent Hill, is playing, and in, in also fairness, the composer of Let It Die, yeah, and he's the composer on Let It Die, and I, I was very insistent that we go see this. <laughs> like Susan I, well, was I like, was can we too, please just like, go home? I know, I know. I was, I was like, you know, it's my birthday. I would really like to go have a nice meal together, and you're like, no. <laughs> We're gonna no, Akira Yamioka's playing. We waited in line. We talked about <laughs> fucked. Just Channing Gwent the whole way. <laughs> and we and we went and Akira Yamioka did play and Bill Burr did introduce him, but it was like being st- it was nightmarish in a lot of ways. <laughs> Where like it's like yeah, I fell asleep and I like had a margarita before bed. It was like weird. It was like. Bill Burr was there, but then like the guy from Lincoln Park was there, but it wasn't the guy from Lincoln Park. It yeah, was so it was not. freaking loud, yeah. loud and bad. At, well, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't gonna throw shade, but yeah, it was, it was not good. It was not loud and it was bad. not good. Yeah, it was, it was. Not... 
And you thought... None of us were expecting that. That's true. <laughs> and the alcohol was free. So there was that. Yeah. Yeah. It was free alcohol. Uh, all right, everybody. Oh, yeah. And I yelled Chie's best girl at a guy. Oh, you I forgot did, about yeah. that part until right now. Yeah, he was confused. <laughs> that, I think that's a good moment to say Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you're doing uh, over the next week and a half, everybody. We hope you do it safely and warmly and surrounded by people you like being surrounded by. Uh, we will be off for a week, and then we will be back uh, talking Game of the Year stuff as well as... All of the many games that are coming out in 2017, right out the freaking gate. So, uh, yeah, everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Happy holidays and stuff. Bye.